0: you're listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm jordan harms we are at the lcms convention in milwaukee wisconsin talking with friends from around the globe here at the convention Partners of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and our partner churches serving around the globe and we'll continue that conversation in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live on Joining us at the KFUO booth today, we have Bishop Peter Abia. He's a, with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan, Sudan. Bishop, welcome to the Coffee Hour.
1: Thank you so much.
0: It is good to have an opportunity to talk with you today, learn more about your church and your partnership with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as well. For our listeners not familiar with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan and Sudan, give us a brief history of this church body.
1: Thank you. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in South Sudan and Sudan started in 1993. In fact, those days, there was no South Sudan. The country was one, was called Sudan. And then there was a war going on in Sudan for many years, that was between the Muslim north and the Christians in the South. So later on, this led to a division of the two countries. South Sudan became an independent state in 2011. Mm. So but the Evangelical Lutheran Church in South Sudan and Sudan did not separate. They're still serving the two countries of Sudan, but the headquarters of the church is in the south, down in a town called Yambio, South Sudan. Gotcha. So, you're serving the Lutheran presence
2: in these regions. What other religions are present? What's the prevailing religion? It's not all
1: Lutherans, right? Uh, It's not all (laughs) Lutherans. They are the Roman Catholics and the Anglicans who have been there for more than 100 years. I think they were the first mission which went there. There are also people who are animistic. They have no faith. They don't believe in God. Mm. Many Muslims... So in North Sudan, there are more Muslims than Christians. But when you go to the South, there are more Christians. At least over 50%, I would say, are Christians in the South. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: What would you say are some of the marks of culture? What are the things that are identifying characteristics of culture in South Sudan, Sudan?
1: The languages. Mm -hmm. You know, in South Sudan, we have 64 tribes. And each tribe has its own dialect to which they speak. But English is the official language and the Arabic, the, the business language. But there are so many other tribal languages. And then the way people dress, it also shows where they come from. And then other tribes have specific marks. You know, like most of the nilotics, they would have some cuttings on the face. That shows where the others put a sign of a cross on their two cheeks. So it shows where they come from. Mm. Yeah.
0: How are Lutherans regarded in culture in South Sudan and Sudan today?
1: You know, the Lutheran Church is new. As I said, it only started in 1993. When it started, so many people did not know about what the Lutheran Church was about. They have never heard the name Luther. And they regarded it first as a false church. But later on, as the church grew and reaching out to many people, sharing the Word of God and other People just like, okay, let me go to the Lutheran Church and see what it is like. Then they hear that this is a biblical church. Mm. It's a church that professes Christ, salvation in Christ alone. So I think people are beginning to know what the Lutheran Church is about and our presence in the country and how we share God's love with people, especially the refugees and the suffering. So it is communicating also to to the people in South Sudan and the schools that we have. We also have a clinic in which we offer service to the general public. All this is making people to know more about Lutheranism and actually bringing more people to Christ. You know, over the past years, we have grown and we have 150,000 baptized members in the last 30 years. So, Wow. Amazing. Church is growing.
2: What is you, is your background in Lutheranism? Were you raised Lutheran, or how did you no. come about? How did you break <laughs> into this area of expertise?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm much older than my church. In my <laughs> home village, the Lutheran church started only in 1999. I was okay. in high school by then. I grew up in the Anglican family, it's where I was baptized and confirmed. So I was actually invited by some friends of mine to the Lutheran Church. They said, hey, have you heard? There's a Lutheran Church in town. Come and we go. So I didn't want to go.
2: Did you know what beginning. Lutheranism was at no, that no, point? No, no, Okay. <laughs> that,
1: that was a very strange name. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So but they managed to convince me. I went there. And they were starting the catechism, you know. They were just going through the Ten Commandments. That was not new to me, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and all that. But what caught my attention was, what does this mean? I've been saying all this my life. I know the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, and all that. But what does it mean to me? I was like, Mm. oh yeah, I want to know. What does it mean when I say Our Father? So that sparked interest in me, and I started going for this catechism class. That is a... I find that to be a
2: common thread with many Lutheran converts that I talk to who came from other sects of Mm -hmm. religion Mm -hmm. in general, Mm -hmm. but also Christianity Mm -hmm. or Catholicism Mm -hmm. or Anglican. The what does this mean question is really what what hooks people. What What are some of the challenges right now that you're facing with the Lutheran Church and your mission in South Sudan and Sudan?
1: The biggest challenge for us is the civil war. Right now there's war going on in Khartoum Mm -hmm. and it has displaced many people within Khartoum. Others are running to South Sudan, others are running to places like Nuba Mountain, crossing borders into the neighboring countries. So these people who run, they have no food, they have no shelter, they have nothing because they are running from war. And then our pastors who are in those areas, they end up receiving so many refugees in their compounds of the church. And we don't have well-built churches as you do here. We do have temporary shelters. So some of these worship centers are actually used by people for sleeping at night. And then when there's time for worship, they have to move their mat out. And then they can also use it for services. So people Mm. are starving children. malnutrition is another thing. So I would say the war is the biggest challenge, which has made everyone very poor. There are no services, no roads, as you have here. So travel is difficult. It takes many, many days or many days to reach to wherever we want to go. The other challenge we have is we have 200 congregations, but with only a few pastors, 75 pastors. So we need more pastors, for that reason, we have a seminary in Yambio called Concordia Lutheran Institute for the Holy Ministry, and this has been supported by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. By the way, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation was instrumental in establishing our church in South Sudan, so we, we have this seminary going on. We take students until they graduate, then we have another intake because the capacity is small. So... Say war, poverty, mm-hmm. no services. Even there's high rate of illiteracy in, in South Sudan. No good schools. People rely more on church schools and private schools. I think uh, the communities are looking up to us to start good schools for them. Right now we are establishing the first Lutheran high school in South Sudan in a place called Yambio, which will open next year.
0: Sounds like a lot going on. So many things that... I want to go back to the war. How long has the war been going on in Khartoum?
1: The war has been going on for more than 50 years now. Sudan got independence in 1956. I think there was relative peace for two to three years, and then another war broke out again. So that war went on for 22 years. So in 2005, there was a peace deal. And then there was some kind of peace for about six years. And then South Sudan got independence in 2011. And then there was peace also in South Sudan for about two years. But after that, another war started in South Sudan again in 2013. That was when the leaders in South Sudan started fighting amongst themselves. They disagreed on political issues, and this took on a tribal dimension and the war went into the entire nation of South Sudan, scattering people into neighboring countries and also into IDP camps, UN protection sites within within the country. So, so I was born in the war, I grew up in the war, and I don't know peace, but I've come to experience peace here in the United States.
0: So for many people for you, your generation and generations after continue to experience and live with war all the time. For those and you've experienced peace here in the United States, and understanding a little bit more about the culture here in the United States, help us understand what is that what is life with war all the time like? What does that look like on a daily basis?
1: It's terrible. You don't want to know and you don't want to live in that kind of environment because it's all suffering. There's nothing good that comes out of that. So, and it takes the country just back. There's no development. So, there are no basic services. Like here, you know, just electricity as an example. This is something you take for granted, you know. You have the light all your life, you know. Just press a button and the light comes. But you go to South Sudan, there's no such. Mm. There's no electricity, no paved roads, you know, no good houses as you have here. No medical care. Somebody is sick is a problem. Other places they have to depend on the roots of trees to treat malaria. Malaria is very common there. Typhoid is another thing. And other other diseases. Life expectancy is very short. You know, to here I've heard the phrase you say life begins at forty. But that is when it is ending in South Sudan, mm. because not many people can pass the age of 50. So, war is bad.
0: We're talking with Bishop Peter Appiah of Evangelical Lutheran Church in South Sudan, Sudan. We'll continue the conversation from the LCMS Convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. We are at the LCMS Convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and today we are talking with Bishop Peter Appiah. He's the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan, Sudan. We've been learning a little bit more about what life in Sudan and South Sudan is like. You pointed out the war and poverty and uh, things that, that we as Westerners in America really maybe have little experience with, little knowledge of. What does that mean then for the church? It, it, are you as a church able to serve your neighbor in the midst of the, 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 the unrest and the poverty and the other challenges that you face?
1: You know, this is the time when the South Sudanese and the Sudanese people needed the church even more because everything else is failing the people. But it is the church that comes and gives that message of the gospel, which is so consoling to the souls. The church is the only place where people get hope. They know, even if they don't have anything in this life, but their life in Jesus Christ is granted. They have a better life after this. So I would say that the people back home are blessed to have the church serve. And that's why we have many people who are coming to the Lutheran faith, because we have this precious gift of the forgiveness in Jesus Christ, which nobody else has, which they cannot receive from the government, but they, they get it from the church. So, yeah, the church is a place of hope. I'm curious.
2: <clears throat> so people living in Sudan and South Sudan, as you pointed out, have a lower life expectancy because disease and poverty is an issue. Mm -hmm. Do you find in your experience that people there are maybe more willing to accept the message of Christianity and Lutheranism and the gospel because it is one of the only solaces that they have versus people here might have all of our comforts taken care of because of air conditioning and lights and everything. And maybe we feel like we don't need Christianity quite as much because it's it's a, it is a challenge here in the, in the West, and it's mm-hmm. been a decline with Christianity mm-hmm. in general because mm-hmm. m- many of our problems mm-hmm. on earth are taken care of. But in Sudan, that's not the case. Do you find that people are more willing to, to hold on to some kind of hope like that?
1: Exactly. As I said, the Christian faith is the only hope that our mm-hmm. people have. Uh, nothing else is working. And I've been telling my people this is the right time for us now to reach as many people as we can. Because time is coming, who knows, when so many other things will divert the attention of the young people. So you are so blessed in this country. You have everything that you need for survival. But our people are struggling just for the basics. They're struggling for survival. But with the message of the gospel, they are drawn near. Because that's where they found their, they find their consolation. That's where they are strengthened. To keep going. Otherwise, without the church, it would be a hopeless situation. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about that work.
2: As, as a bishop, how are you serving the communities? What is the Lutheran Church doing right now? What, is, what are your responsibilities and what you're growing right now?
1: As a bishop, I oversee the entire Evangelical Lutheran Church mm. in South Sudan and Sudan. That means I supervise pastors. I try to be a pastor to my pastors. Yeah. I also visit different deaneries. You have districts here, but we have deaneries, what we call deaneries. And these deaneries are headed by deans who are like district presidents. Okay. So this this is what we try to do. Our first priority is teaching the people the Word of God. Hmm. It's evangelism, getting the Word out. And then we prepare men at the seminary and also women deaconesses who go out and share Christ's love with them with the people. So we have Lutheran schools, primary schools, where we we teach the kids and the lay foundation for Christian education. We are starting a high school, which I mentioned earlier Mm. on. We have a house of hope orphanage. You know, in South Sudan, there are so many kids who have no parents. They might have lost their parents due to various reasons. One is war, another one could be HIV and AIDS or any, any other sickness. So these kids are just uh, roaming on the street. So we establish an orphanage to look after them. So we also have a special ministry to the people of disability, people with special needs. And then we have a ministry to the refugees. We also reach out to them and the displaced people. So and the hospital, all this ministry is geared towards bringing people to Christ sharing the tangible love of God with the communities. So we are also involved in peace negotiations. South Sudan oh, wow. is, is a lot divided along tribal lines, so many conflicts. Then we try to, to work for reconciliation, work for peace building among the communities.
2: And with the governments too? Do you? Does the Lutheran Church like... Is that some of the peace negotiations as well?
1: Yeah, that involves the government too. Wow. It's a whole separate skill set that pastors here don't really have to worry about. So anyway, we have a special group who handles that. There are people who are trained to to do that kind of work. And the Lutheran Church is is part of that. Mm -hmm. And then some communities, we have seen the fruits of this work, that there's relative peace and the people are living with one another. Because in a country where people are so divided among tribal lines, man, it's difficult. They they consider their identity even as tribes, sometimes more than their identity in Christ. And that's where we come as a church and tell them, you are a child of God. No matter where you come from, God loves us all equally. And we have one Savior who is the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: How would you describe your relationship with partner churches like the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod?
1: Oh, it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's great. And we just feel so excited to be part of this church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. You know, we look up to them. We are very small here, but when we are part of this universal church of Christ here on earth, I think this is a foretaste of what we expect it to be in heaven, that we are all one.
0: Were you able to attend the Divine Service here at the LCMS Convention?
1: Oh, yeah. The opening service yesterday Mm -hmm. was just amazing. Yeah. Singing with these thousands of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I could picture in my head what it might be like in front of our King in Heaven, where all nations will be gathered together and singing, holy, holy, holy. That was fantastic
0: now having attended services here in the States. How would you describe services in South Sudan and Sudan?
1: You know, we, we have our own test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like to, to sing and dance. I've seen when you people sing your hymns, most of it you sit down. Maybe when I say referring to Trinity, then people get up. When you come to South Sudan, you'll be tired of standing up and dancing because (laughs) people like to do some movement when Uh they are singing, (laughs) even the hymns. Then we have special choirs who present songs. It's lively. But the liturgy is the same. You would notice that, okay, this is what is being done now. We start with the confession of sins and absolution. We get into the service of the word. That part you can recognize, but in, in between, we spice it a little bit. Yeah.
0: You know? <laughs> do, we, do we share some hymns in common?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah we do share some hymns. Yeah, do, We do have, have translated some, some hymns also. But, but the challenge with most of the hymns you have is the tune. The, the way the songs are sung is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And we have different beats. But we do have some some hymns. What a friend we have in Jesus! We have that rock of ages, and I don't know what I can think of now. But there are some, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We won't test you. <laughs> <I don't>, but-
0: <laughs> we we won't challenge your uh, test your <laughs> hymnological <laughs> I would, I would fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we do have some similar hymns. While you're here in the states visiting with the, here at the convention. Anything that, that you're hoping for in your visit here? Or do you, after the convention, do you head back to South Sudan? Or do you have more visits here in the States?
1: After the convention, I will head back to South Sudan. I was here on the first week of this month. So I've been away from the family. I think mm. I will need to get back. But while I'm here, of course, I'm looking forward for the reception today. Because we are going to be received into altar and pulpit fellowship. With the LMS, I'm looking very much forward to that. And I also would like to make more connections with the people here in the States, uh, with the LMS uh, leadership, the different congregations, the districts. Right. And just share with them the stories of the work we do there and see how we can partner and share the gospel message with the people in South Sudan. And I would like people to know more about what we do. And uh, we have a history book, actually which is written by Bob Brown. It's a history of LHF work in Sudan and South Sudan, but it's all about what we do there, how the church came into existence. I wrote a foreword to this book. So anybody interested in reading about South Sudan can have a copy.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I have to ask one food question, because anytime we're talking with international guests, I have to ask know, a food I question. I know, I haven't gotten many food questions in. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> so if we were to visit, visit you in South Sudan, what's your favorite food from Sudanese culture that you think we should experience?
1: Uh, if you were to visit me in Yambia, Western Equatoria, our staple food there is cassava leaves. And then oh. what do we call bakinde? It is, it's cassava also cooked like porridge. So the, the cassava leaves is cooked in the ground nuts and the palm oil. So that is the favorite of the Azande tribe. So when you go to other parts of South Sudan, it may not be the same. Because as mm-hmm. I told you, we have different tribes. Uh-huh. It depends on where you, you go. Different recipes. We, yeah, <laughs> We like smoked, smoked meat. Oh, now, now we're talking yeah. the same language. <laughs> like smoked meat. We can get you antelope meat or something oh, like yeah. that. Beef <laughs> can be smoked. Yeah. Beans and the rice. Mm. We have a joke. What did you have for lunch? Beans and the rice. Then for supper, mm-hmm. rice and beans. <laughs> then you wonder <laughs> what is the difference. <laughs> so that's just to tell you there's a lot of beans as well. Yeah.
0: I've learned a lot about the, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan. Sudan. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Bishop, and, and sharing your story and God's blessings on your time here at the convention.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you too for your time.
0: You've been listening to the Coffee Hour, IBA Debates. I'm Jordan Hart.